Acts 28, just to kind of continue on, even with that testimony. We're going to be looking at something so simple in the Bible. Aren't you glad that God uh, doesn't leave you alone? And He lets you know where you actually stand with Him. And you can wrestle and fight all you want, but in His mercy He is going to let you know where you stand before Him. Especially, even though there's an element of, of, of wrestling there, but especially if there's an element where, you know, I can't deny what I'm hearing and I can't deny what I'm seeing in terms of the work of God. And those are the kind of hearts that oftentimes you will hear there may be wrestle, but there's a point in time when it was like God pinned them down and it was enough's enough. What are you going to do? And even as Sam shared, even after his salvation and, and being under the wrong influence in the wrong environment and let, let not one of us be deceived here, it impacts every one of us. None of us is exempt from such a thing. This is why we must be careful to be found in the will of God in every area. Even under the wrong influence in the wrong environment, leading Sam down a path by his own consent and by his own choice, that made him so far from God, yet God in His mercy still intervened when it seemed to be at the peak of his life. And God showed him that he was in essence poor and wretched and miserable and needed Jesus, not for salvation, but to come back and be Lord of his life. And we're going to touch on some of those things here this morning. And I hope you've come with a heart ready to hear ready to be refreshed, ready to be challenged as to what the Lord actually has for us from His Word this morning. God, help us to give Him our full attention and that His Word will take effect as it is designed to do in our hearts this morning. Acts chapter 28, Paul has arrived in Rome and what a story there was leading up to that. Not only, I'm not just talking about the, the whole book of Acts, but even the... Uh, the uh, boat ride or the ship that he was on and the events that had transpired leading up uh, to going to Rome. And there were, they, were, they were in this storm. There was this, um, there was this storm that they were caught in for days. And I mean days. It says even for 14 days, everyone on the ship, 200 plus people had not eaten. And that's how, that's how fearful it was. And that's how tormenting it was. And, and it actually says that um, they, they came to a point in time, it says, where all hope that we should be saved was then taken away. So you can imagine the despair that was flooding these people's souls and heart. But Paul had peace from God because God told him no one's going to perish. Just make sure you do this. But it was still no doubt taxing. And, uh, and he finally, anyway, he thanked God in verse 15 when he saw that he was coming up to Rome. And then they came to Rome in verse 16, and he called for the chiefs and the elders, the chiefs and the elders of the Jews in Rome. And oftentimes you'll find in places like this, we see it in the islands, generally in villages or provinces, there are elders or chiefs. Uh, the concept there that, that, that they're kind of the presiding uh, overseas, if you will, over the over the tribe or over the people there in that village or whatever the case is, there's generally, it's, it's, it's not an uncommon thing to say. And anyway, these ones that were, that were overseas, somewhat over the Jews, the chiefs, these ones that the Jews look to and recognize as their leaders and teachers, 
and elders, he calls them in and he tells them why he's there. He tells them, I'm here in Rome. He says, for the hope of Israel, I am bound with this chain. And verse 21, and they said to him, we neither received letters out of Judea concerning thee, neither any of the brethren that came showed or spake any harm of thee, but we desire to hear of thee what thou thinkest, for as concerning this sect, we know that everywhere it is spoken against. And when they had appointed him a day, they gave Paul a day. They, they said, on this day, Paul, we're, we're giving you this day. We want to hear what you got to say. It says, then came many to him in his lodging. Mind you, Paul was a prisoner here, but was given his own place and was allowed to, to, to have visitors coming in and out. It's like paid accommodation. And, he, and they were coming in and he says, it says, they came many to him in verse 2, 23 in his lodging, to whom he expounded and testified the kingdom of God, persuading them concerning Jesus, both out of the law of Moses and out of the prophets from morning till evening. Imagine we stood here and stayed here all the way till the evening time, being persuaded out of the scriptures, things concerning Jesus. What a marvelous time that would have been. And I can imagine what the audience, and we're going to see a little bit of a glimpse as to what was taking place in the hearts of his audience. And verse 24, here it is. And some believe the things which were spoken, and some believe not. That's the simplicity of it. Some believed the things which were spoken, and some believed not. And when they agreed not among themselves, they departed after that Paul had spoken one word. And he goes on to talk about what he said. Well spake the Holy Ghost by Isaiah the prophet unto our fathers saying, Go unto this people, and say, Hearing ye shall hear, and shall not understand, and seeing ye shall see, and not perceive. Why? For the heart of this people is waxed gross, it's fat, it's thick, and their ears are dull of hearing, and their eyes have they closed lest they should see with their, with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their heart and should be converted and I should heal them. Be it known therefore unto you that the salvation of God is sent unto the Gentiles and that they will hear it. And when he had said these words, the Jews departed and had great reasoning among themselves. And Paul dwelt two whole years in his own hired house and received all that came in unto him, preaching the kingdom of God and teaching those things 
which concern the Lord Jesus Christ with all confidence, no man forbidding him. What a ministry, what an opportunity was opened unto Paul in the city of Rome. It wasn't just to go and appeal to speak to Caesar. God had foreseen that there were things like this that were going to take place. And I believe in light of all of this that was taking place, if we want to get a fuller picture, I know we can go to other parts in the New Testament, but here we have the epistle to the Romans, giving the full detail and exposition of the Christian faith in full detail. And here we see, I believe, a glimpse even what Paul was perhaps speaking to his audience starting from the very beginning, starting even and leading back to Christ being the fulfillment of the one that was spoken of in past times and touching on the blessing of those that believe and work not. Because salvation is imparted not to those that work for it, but to those that believe on Jesus' name. And the book and the epistle of the Romans is full of precious theology, precious teaching. It's, it's some have said the epistle uh, to the Romans is the Christian statement of faith. It has all these details concerning what we believe and why we believe it. And so anyway, this is a glimpse of Paul preaching. There was no doubt about it that the word was expounded to these people, to his audience. And there's no doubt about it that the word was expounded faithfully to them. There wasn't a problem with the preacher and there wasn't a problem with the preaching. There was a problem with certain ones. To use the words of Isaiah again, that can hear it, but don't want to hear it. They're seeing it, but they don't want to see it. And so the reality is, when we see it today, brothers and sisters, friends, be not deceived, we see it today. There have always been those that believe, and there have always been those that believe not. Where do you stand this morning? Are you one of these people that when you hear the preaching of the Word of God, specifically the gospel of salvation concerning Jesus Christ and what He did for mankind and what you and I are required to do in response in terms of repentance and believing on the Lord Jesus Christ as we're going to see. Where are you this morning? Have you believed? Or are you in this place and in danger of the description of those that have hearts that are so thick that you believe not. You don't believe it. And you reason in yourselves and you reason with others. But then you have these others that hear it, they know it, they believe it. And they're the ones that can testify of the simplicity that is in Christ Jesus this salvation that is offered to all men. Some believe the things which were spoken and some believed not. In the times of Jesus, before the times of Jesus in the terms of his ministry or him being present physically here on earth, there have always been people that believe and those that believe not. Even amongst the children of Israel that were the chosen nation of God, set apart that God would show his glory upon them, 
there was people in the midst of them that would believe and those that would believe not. I believe this prophecy or this, this what we're reading concerning what Isaiah spake about connects at least as far back to Isaiah chapter 6 uh, where that heavenly vision was seen by Isaiah and he saw the glory of God and he saw those angelic things crying out, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty and so forth. And he saw this and the scripture actually indicates to us that this person that he saw, this, this sight that he saw, this vision that he saw, this one that he saw that was being praised, this thrice holy God, tells us that he was seeing Jesus. And he was seeing the one that was set up there on the throne. And it's an interesting vision. We see that in Revelation and we see it elsewhere in the New Testament consent, uh, saying that Isaiah was thinking about him, Jesus, when he spoke those words. That there will be some that believe and some that believe not. And after that heavenly vision that he saw, that sight that we record, that we still marvel at, it was after that where he was commissioned, if you want to use the term, to the ministry to go and to preach. And he was told that, yes, they're going to hear, but they're not really going to hear. And so here is saying, well, did Isaiah prophesy of you, of you. But we weren't there, but he was talking about you. And so we see this connection and we see this still applying today. For these ones who do not have hearts to hear and eyes to see and those that really do not want to receive the scriptures because oftentimes the scriptures or Jesus specifically tread on their toes. There's always been these people. We see it in Matthew when Jesus rebuked the chief priests and the Pharisees and the elders and he says, For John came unto you in the way of righteousness and ye believed him not. For the publicans and the harlots believed him. And ye, when ye had seen it, repented not afterward. They still had opportunity and they still refused the opportunity. He says they repented not afterward that ye might believe him. And But you know what he says after the conversation continued? He says when they sought to lay hands on him. Mate, they wanted to get their hands on him. But they feared the multitude because they took him, speaking of Jesus, for a prophet. You know what these people are? These are the kind that have a heart that believe not. And it's scary to think about it. It's not to say there's not a wrestling that can take place at times before one truly believes on the Lord Jesus Christ. But it's scary to see one that has gone to the full extent of Isaiah's prophecy where their heart has waxed gross, their heart is thick, it is fat, and they have refused to believe and will not hear and will not see. It is scared to, scary to see oftentimes how they do respond when the message is preached. How did these ones respond? They wanted to get their hands on Jesus. In John chapter 10, it talks about when the Jews came around Jesus and he says, tell us plainly if you're, if you're the Christ. And he simply says, I told you and you believe not. 
the works that I do in my Father's name, they bear witness of me. And not only have I told you, you've seen what I have done that testify of who I am. And he says in verse 26, but ye believe not. You know why? He says, because ye are not of my sheep. As I said unto you, my sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. And I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. My Father, which gave them me, is greater than all, and no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. I and my Father are one. When the Jews, it says thereafter, took up stones to stone him. You see the heart of those that believe not. You see the heart of those that, as John chapter 8 says it, don't want to hear it. And they don't want to hear it because they're not of God. And they don't want to hear it because they love their traditions more than the truth. In this case here, they took up stones to stone him. He says, what do you want to stone me for? Paraphrasing. He says, many good works have I showed you from my father. For which of these works do you... Do ye stone me now? And he says, Jews answered and saying unto him, For good work we stone thee not, but for blasphemy. Because that thou being a man, makest thyself God. Prior to this in John chapter 8, he was explaining to them. The, 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 the gospel of John specifically, not only in the New Testament, tells us the account where Jesus was expounding to them who he was. And it wasn't that he didn't tell them and it wasn't that he didn't show them and it wasn't that there wasn't uh, the scripture or the truth to actually verify it. It was the fact that they did not believe it. And so what do they do? That heart, that person that believed not, they wanted to stone him. <clears throat> it's so interesting. My friends, there is a precious truth in the scripture and I don't want you to miss it. Jesus knows who's going to believe on him and Jesus knows who's going to betray him or who's not going to believe on him. In John chapter 6, it talks about that. And in that context, he says, this is why I say unto you, except my father draw you, you cannot come unto me. And we see in the scripture how the father does draw. And we see in the scripture that although God knows who's going to believe and God knows who's not going to believe, the gospel has gone out to all men. Because that's the very thing that calls people to repentance. That's the very thing that lifts up Jesus and what he did for mankind. That men will either see in here and say, I believe that. Or I don't believe that. But God knows who's going to believe. And God knows who's not going to believe. And for these, Jesus is simply saying to them, God knows your heart. You have no intention. And as a matter of fact, you won't believe. Elsewhere, he actually says, they cannot believe. And you know why people cannot believe? You say, that's strange. Of course you can believe. But the scripture says they cannot believe. You know why they cannot believe? Because their hearts are thick. They have ears and they don't want to hear it. They have eyes to see and they don't want to see it. It's there before them. They hear it. They see it. But they don't want it. So they cannot believe. 
They're not receiving those things that are shedding the light of understanding for them. And so their hearts are still thick. And that's where it's at for many even still today. John chapter 12. Interesting passage. You can turn there if you like. John chapter 12. Jesus addressing again the unbelief of the people. And John chapter 12, he says from verse 20, 36, While ye have light, believe in the light, that ye may be the children of light. These things spake Jesus and departed and did hide himself from them. But though he had done so many miracles before them, look at verse 37, yet they believed not on him. That the saying of Isaiah the prophet might be fulfilled again, which he spake, Lord, who hath believed our report and to whom hath the arm of the Lord been revealed? Therefore, they could not believe because that Isaiah said again, he hath blinded their eyes and hardened their heart that they should not see with their eyes, nor understand with their heart, and be converted, and I should heal them. These things said Isaiah when he saw his glory, and spake of him. Nevertheless, verse 42, among the chief rulers, also many believed on him. Now notice this. But because of the Pharisees, they did not confess him, lest they should be put out of the synagogue. For they loved the praise of men more than the praise of God. How sad is that? Now here, these ones that the scripture is testifying of that believed on him, whether that belief was fruitful, whether that belief was in vain, I don't know. But one thing I see here is the scripture is telling us that there was the, amongst the chief priests. Yes, there were those that believed not, but then there were these that believed. But because of those that believed not, the ones that believed were too scared, too scared to confess Jesus, to testify that this is true and this is why i believe in john chapter 8 again when jesus was expounding that he is the light that has come into the world and it says and many jews believed on him and he says if you continue in my word then are you my disciples indeed and ye shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free you know why because amongst the jews there was such a bondage in, 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 this, in this community and such a fear one of another, especially of the leaders, that that was actually a hindrance for people coming to Jesus and even for some living for Jesus. And that was such a reality. Like that blind man that was healed, they brought his parents in. And he says, because his parents were scared, in essence, to be excommunicated, to be cast out of the synagogue, they didn't say. They said, all we know, he's our son. All we know, he was born blind. He's of age. You can ask him what happened to him. And you know why? Even though they saw it and they couldn't deny what they were seeing, but they were scared of man, specifically the elders and the chief priests and the Pharisees. Ask him. Brothers and sisters,
the fear of man, the Bible says, brings a snare. It absolutely traps you and it will absolutely debilitate you from living for Jesus. There will always be, whether it's religious leaders or man in general of some sort, whether there be family or friends or of any kind, that may hinder you from Jesus. So we must be careful to care very li little, I should perhaps say nothing of the praise of men. I am not seeking to be approved of men. And I'm going to say this carefully, I'm not saying this disrespectfully, but I am not seeking the approval of my mum and my dad to follow Jesus and to believe on Him. I'm not seeking the approval of my brothers or my sisters to follow Jesus or to believe on Him. I am not seeking the approval of anyone. I do not love whether they approve of, of it or not. I just care about what God thinks. And my friends, when you take a conviction and mentality like that, it may cost you some things, but I'll tell you what, it'll set you free. You know why? You come under the Lordship of Christ and of no other. This is why the Lord says things like this. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not the things that I say? Because there is a reality that if your heart is not for Christ and Christ alone, that I care for what He thinks and I care for what He says and all I care is about the truth, my friends, you can be hindered in living for Jesus. Although you say you believe, although you say you believe, and there are those that have genuinely believed and been born again. We just heard a testimony this morning. Genuinely believed, genuinely born again, but under the wrong environment, under the wrong influence, he, consent, he giving consent to those things and to those ones went down a path that led him away from Jesus. And my friends, don't be deceived. I said it before we started. We are deceiving ourselves to think we are not influenced by those that are around us. We must be very, very careful. But these ones did not confess Him in John chapter 12 because they loved the praise of men. What is it that you love more than Jesus? What is it that you love more than His Word? What is it that you love more than His way? What is it that you care more about than just obeying what Christ has said to you? What is it? What is it that you're waiting for to obey what He's already told you to do? What is it? What's, what's, what's holding you back? Who is it? My friend, we must be very careful not to let anything get in the way of what Jesus has for us to do. And by His grace that we would love Him supremely doing those things that He's called us to do. This is why He says in John 14, If you love me, keep my commandments. If you love me, keep my sayings. That's the kind of love that is demonstrated that says, You know what? I'm not trying to be a rebel and I'm not trying to cause trouble, but I love Jesus. And His Word means more to me than anyone else's. And whether man approves of it or not, that's between them and God. But I know what God has revealed in His Word and I want to do it. And I'm not ashamed of it. I love the praise of men more than the praise of God. 
And even John chapter 8, Jesus exposed the heart of those that were rejecting him. Those that believe not. He says, you know why you don't hear my word? Because you're not of God. This is why when I'm telling you the word, I'm telling you, and you and I know we receive this today as the very word of God. And those that do not hear his word, he says, you know why? Because you're not of God. You don't really care for God. Because if you did, you care about his word. As a matter of fact, the psalmist tells us that he elevates his word above all his name. And you and I heard on Friday how precious that name is and how careful we must be with the name of the Lord. But there is a reality. Although there are some that be in the midst of us that profess Christ, they believe. But at the right time, under the right provocation, off they go and you may never see him again. And this is where 1 John tells us they were actually never of us. Because if they actually were of the people of God, if they were genuinely regenerated, if they were genuinely converted, then they would continue with us. No doubt about it. And this is why Paul even challenges them in 1 Corinthians. He says, this is the gospel. This is the one you have believed unless you've believed it in vain. Did you really believe? Did you really believe? Paul and Barnabas in Acts chapter 13. How crazy is this? He was invited to preach. They went there. They sat there. It says that the, that the, the law and the prophets was read as it was a custom in the synagogues to do. And then they saw Paul, perhaps they recognized Paul and were familiar who Paul was, being known as Saul of Tarsus. And they said, men and brethren, if you have a word, share. And so Paul gets up. Every opportunity he could, he got up. And he got up and he shared and he started to preach about Jesus to them. And in verse 42 of Acts chapter 13, he says, when the Jews were gone out of the synagogue, again, you see it oftentimes in connection with the Jews. The Gentiles besought that these words might be preached to them the next Sabbath. They wanted to hear it again. And he says, when the congregation broke up, many of the Jews and religious proselytes, it says, followed Paul and Barnabas and they wanted to know more about what Paul was saying. They couldn't wait till next week. They wanted to know more. And so the next Sabbath day came in verse 44 and he says the whole city came together to hear the word. And verse 45, don't miss it. When the Jews saw the multitudes, they were filled with envy. They were filled with envy. So you know what they started to do? Spake against those things which were spoken by Paul, contradicting and blaspheming. And so... Here we see the hearts of those that don't actually have a heart for God. They don't have a heart that want to know. Here they see the whole city coming to hear what this preacher has to say. We might call him a guest preacher. And the Jews that were there in their synagogues week in, week out, never seen anything like it. And instead of rejoicing because those that had a heart for God, that God was doing a work, the Jews were like, envious thinking it was something of Paul 
that brought them in. And it showed their heart, fulfilling again, I believe, the prophecy of Isaiah, that they do not have a heart to hear. They don't have a heart for God. They don't care about truth. They don't care about God. All they care is about themselves. And so the words of life that were preached were rejected, were contradicted. You think about it. Imagine me speaking here and, and you got these Jews that initially the week prior invited me to preach and now they're getting up as I'm preaching and they're blaspheming and they're contradicting and this and what about that? And they're getting, they're stirring up the people and my friends, one thing again, I already said it, but we must understand in these times and we've seen it when we spent some time in Israel that the rabbis, the leaders over the Jews have great power and authority that it is a fearful thing to go against their word even though their word may not be true. And so when they spoke up, there were a feeble people and a timid people and those whose hearts may be wrestled that cared more not to upset the Pharisees and the priests and the rabbis more than God. And so here there was a, there was a wrestle going on. Paul beckoning, calling people to Jesus and here these ones that were stirred up by envy, not with a heart for truth, blaspheming and contradicting. And so Paul and Barnabas waxed bold and said it was necessary that the word of God should first be spoken unto you. You know why? That's what God said. Take the gospel to the Jews first and then the Gentiles. He says, but seeing you put it from you. You don't want to hear it. You don't want to see it. You don't want to believe it. He says, we're going to the Gentiles. And the Gentiles, when they heard that, they marveled. And these people that were not a people have now become the people of God. You know why? Here you see a heart of those that wanted to see it, that wanted to hear it, and that believed on it. He actually says to them, you judge yourselves unworthy of eternal life. And lo, return to the Gentiles. He says, For so hath so the Lord commanded us, I have set thee to be a light of the Gentiles, that thou shouldest be for salvation under the ends of the earth. He says, And when the Gentiles heard this, they were glad and glorified the word of the Lord. And as many as were ordained unto eternal life, believed. Believed. There will always be some that believe and some that believe not in the midst. When Paul preached in Thessalonica, synagogue in Thessalonica, it says, Some believed and consorted with Paul and Silas, and the devout Greeks, a great multitude of the chief women, not a few, he says, but the Jews which believed not, moved with envy, and they caused a massive stir in that city, an actual uproar in the whole city, all because people were believing on Jesus Christ. It is scary to see how far those that believe not will go. This is what I'm saying to you, my friends. It's always been the case. We've seen it. And then we think is there's something wrong with the preacher. And then we think there's something wrong with the preaching. Or then we think there's something wrong with the approach. Or what did he say? Or what did she do? Why they caused this? And then people have compromised and people have watered down. You know why? Because they've sought to get the favor of men and make sure it's appealing so they can get people in rather than just tell what God wants them to tell and let salvation be up to the Lord. 
It's not up to us to cause people to believe. Brothers and sisters, find comfort that God knows who's going to believe and who's not going to believe. So we are not called to make the message fitting and our approach more fitting to help people or cause some to believe in that sense. Yes, we become all things to all people. There's a balance there. I'm not reducing that. But it's not on us if people have a heart to hear the word of God or not. How is it you have people that are raised in the exact same environment, experience the very same things, and some come to believe, and some reject the Lord. What is it? It's the heart. What do they really want? And it's not God. That's the bottom line. Same thing. When Paul was preaching to the Athenians, Preaching the resurrection of the dead. He says, some mocked. Some were mocking. But it says, others said, we will hear thee again of this matter. We want to know more. We want to hear it again. It says, howbeit certain men clave unto him and believed and believed. There's always going to be those in the group. When Paul preached in Ephesus, and what an uproar took place in Ephesus when you go and read the account. And he was disputing there for three months, it says, persuading the things concerning the kingdom of God. It says, but when diverse or various ones were hardened, were hardened and believed not, but spake evil of that way before the multitude. And so they left it. Because they were caught, not they themselves, but these ones were causing trouble. And it says they went for the space of, of two years in the, in the school of one Tyrannus. And they continued to preach and teach the word of the Lord Jesus, both to the Jews and the Greeks. And it says it spread throughout all the world from there. Brothers and sisters, there will always be some that believe and always be some that believe not. And how scary it is, how far to see those that believe not will actually go to contradict the message that many have believed. The message of eternal life. That's why there's such, that's why there's such a, what we may call a harsh, but I would say a just punishment upon those when Jesus comes in the last time, in that, in that day. It says to us that even in those times, in that day, in those last times, that there are going to be ones, there's, there's going to be this one, the spirit of iniquity in 2 Thessalonians talk, says that it does already work. And, and, and he goes on to say that when the wicked be revealed, whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth and shall destroy with the brightness of his coming, even him whose coming is after the working of Satan with all power and signs and lying wonders and with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish. Listen to this, because they received not the love of the truth that they might be saved. These were the people that refused to believe. These were the people that had eyes to see and didn't want to see it, ears to hear, but didn't want to hear it because their hearts were thick and they refused it. He's, and the Bible says, and for this cause, God shall send them strong delusion that they should believe a lie. A lie. that they all might be damned 
who believed not the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. You know anything contrary to what God wants and outside of Jesus Christ classifies as unrighteousness. And I don't want to reduce those that we can perceive that are far more worse than other things. But brothers and sisters, anyone that rejects the gospel, anyone that does not believe, remains under the banner of the unrighteous, remains under the banner of those that did not receive the love of the truth, that they might be saved. And there's a day coming where there's a judgment coming upon them, where there's going to be a delusion upon them so much they're going to believe a lie. You and I know when someone believes something, when it's true or not, you can't persuade them. They believe it. And what a consequence upon those that have refused the word of God, refused the gospel, refused to come to Jesus, refused to believe on him. What a consequence is going to fall on them in that day. In chapter 1 of 2 Thessalonians, it, it tells us of when Jesus will come. And he says that when the Lord Jesus shall be revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in flaming fire, taking vengeance on them that know not God and that obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, who shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power, when he shall come to be glorified in his saints and to be admired in all them that believe. Because our testimony among you was believed in that day. Friends, the gospel is a message of life to some and a savor of death unto death for others. In other words, the preaching of the word, the preaching of Jesus is something that is sweet to the ears of some and want to hear more of. But to others, they cannot stand it. And to others, they're, 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 they're just, mm, yeah. It's always going to be the case. And this is why it's a savor of life unto life for some, a savor of death unto death for others. Who is sufficient for these things? Whether it's, it's who is sufficient in terms of, you know, who, which preacher is able to preach it as it ought to be preached, or who is able to cause one to believe and one to not believe, uh, excuse me, one to remain. Uh, who, can, who can do these things? We're just called to give the gospel. And all we know is that gospel, that message of life, can heap condemnation upon the heads of those that believe not. And so again, in closing, I want us to see some things. I know we've already looked at the glimpse of those that believe not, but also I want us to see something a little bit more specific and how the word of God, specifically the gospel of Jesus, affects the heart, but how you respond to it makes all the difference. Turn with me to Acts chapter 5. Acts chapter 5. <coughs> Excuse me. Peter and the apostles were testifying of the Lord Jesus. And again, the leaders did not like it. And they were brought before the council. And the scripture shows us 
that, that at this point in time, they were brought before the council. They were commanded not to preach in the name, preach or teach anymore in the name of Jesus. And they let them go. But they went back and continued to do those things that Jesus wanted them to do and preaching boldly and teaching in his name because that's what God had called them to do. And when they saw them doing this again, they brought them in again. And he says to them, and they say to them in verse 28, chapter 5, saying, did we not straightly command you that you should not teach in this name? And behold, ye have filled Jerusalem with your doctrine and intend to bring this man's blood upon us. Yes, because you said that. You said, let his blood be upon us and upon our children. Then Peter and the other apostles answered and said, none of them wavered at this. None of them feared what they said. None of them buckled under the pressure or the intimidation of these leaders and their threatenings. Peter and the other apostles answered and said, we ought to obey God rather than men. The God of our fathers raised up Jesus, whom ye slew and hanged on a tree. We're not backing down from the truth. That's the truth. Him hath God exalted with his right hand to be a prince and a savior for to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. And we are his witnesses of these things. And so is also the Holy Ghost whom God hath given to them that obey him. When they heard that, notice this in verse 33. What's that phrase there? They were cut to the heart. They were cut to the heart. And the idea is that, that may, it hit very deeply. They were cut very deeply. And took counsel to slay them. You see their response? They were cut to the heart. They were affected. They heard what they heard, but they didn't like it. And it pierced the heart. And instead of being humbled by it and accepting it, it made them angry. Because they were exposing their evil deeds. And how many a times, brothers and sisters, maybe not on a scale like this, whether uh, at times when we've been saved to our shame or at times uh, when we were even unsaved, we can look back and we know when someone was speaking the word of truth to us and whatever it was and exposing us to some extent that we didn't know what to say or we didn't like what they were saying. And so to shut them down, we may have used intimidation. We may have started to just scream and accuse and, and divert from the issue. Why? Because we were pricked in the heart. We were, not to say convicted, but there was something that affected us, that pierced us, and we didn't like it. Here, on this level, it was the gospel, it was the truth, it was the reality of Jesus that they didn't like. And so they wanted to kill him. They wanted to kill him. Turn to Acts chapter 7. In light of Acts chapter 28, when the Holy Ghost spake by Isaiah saying, and we read the prophecy again of what was of, of, of concerning not only the, them in their days, but even us in our days and in the Bible times when Jesus was walking the earth. And in Acts chapter 7, here we hear the sermon of Stephen again before the council. And, and, and here he again talks about the deliverers. God sent a deliverer and you rejected them, rejected them, rejected them, rejected them. And he comes in Acts chapter 7, 
to verse 51 and he says, Ye stiff-necked and uncircumcised in heart and ease, ye do always resist the Holy Ghost as your fathers did, so do ye. You know why? Because it was the Spirit of God speaking through the prophets. It was the Spirit of God speaking through those deliverers. It was God that was doing, uh, giving the message. It was God that was giving the rebukes. It was God that was correcting and instructing. And they thought it would, they had something against the person. But he's saying, no, you were resisting the Spirit of God and you're doing it again. You're still doing it. Like they did it, you're doing it. He says, which of the prophets, again, he goes on to say, uh, have not your fathers persecuted and slain and showed before the coming of the just one of whom ye have been now the betrayers and murderers. Jesus knows them that believe and Jesus knows them that will betray him. Who have received the law by the disposition of angels and have not kept it. He's saying you who actually receive the Word of God and say you have the Word of God, but you don't keep the Word of God. And you know what happened? And when they heard these things, look again in verse 54, they were cut to the heart. They were cut to the heart. And they gnashed on Him with their teeth. And then they took Him out eventually and stoned Him. Brothers and sisters, I beg you, if the word of truth is affecting your heart this morning in some way or another, I beg you, don't harden your heart. Don't close your ears. Don't shut your eyes. Don't react in the flesh. Don't kick against the pricks. I beg you, humble yourself. Like we see those, turn with me to Acts chapter 2. Notice the difference now in Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2. And in verse, uh, here we see again, uh, Paul, uh, Peter preaching, excuse me saying what you're seeing, this is again what the prophets have testified of, this is what the prophets prophesied, and now look, you're seeing it being fulfilled before your very eyes, and he preached unto them Jesus, and he says in verse 37, now when they heard this, they were pricked in their heart, now look at their response, and said unto Peter and the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? What shall we do? Well, the answer came. Peter said unto them, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus for the remission of sins. And ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. And he goes on to say in verse 41, and they that gladly received his word. You know what that indicates to us? Not all did. There were some that believed, but there were still some that believed not. But they that believed, they that gladly received his word, 
were baptized. And you see God doing in them what they were even seeing in terms of the work of God in, 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 in what they were seeing with the apostles and the brethren there. Salvation came and things took place. And these people that received the word of God and believed were not the same people. Life wasn't about them anymore. It was about God and others so much so that even some that came to the Lord that believed lost houses, lost lands, lost their jobs, had no income. So you know what You know what the children of God started to do? You know what these people that just got saved started to do? S started giving. Some went to, so far to sell houses and land that they would give. But they all had a heart for God. They all had a heart for one another because this was one of the evidences of salvation. But all I'm simply drawing out, and I hope you didn't miss it throughout this whole message, there are some that believe and there are some that believe not. They were pricked in their heart and they received it. You know, when conviction comes your way, how do you respond to it? My friend, if you're sitting here today and you're not saved, if you're sitting here today and you say you believe, but you don't really believe, and you say you're a believer, but you don't actually do those things that Jesus says, and you say you believe God and take Him at His word, but every time the word is preached and the more and more you hear it, the more harder your heart gets. My friend, where do you stand with God? Is your heart being pricked? It's got nothing to do with the preacher. It's got nothing to do with the preacher. What will you do with Jesus? What will you do with this book? What will you do with the truth? We see those that were pricked elsewhere, like the Ethiopian eunuch who had a heart to know. And so God sent someone to him and he believed on the Lord. We see one like Lydia. The Bible says, whose heart the Lord opened and she believed. And what a sweet Christian she was. We see one, the Philippian jailer, who was watching, uh, entrusted to watch over this prison, who Paul and Silas were th then unjustly imprisoned, but he was the keeper of the prison. And hearing their singing and hearing their praying, and I personally believe perhaps even hearing their, their, their witnessing to the other inmates, I don't know. At a point in time when things transpired, says, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? He is the heart of one that wanted to believe. The house of Lydia also says they believed. The house of the Philippian jailer, when they heard what Paul and Silas taught, says they believed. We see it with Cornelius when him and his household believed. It's possible because these people have a heart to believe. They want to hear it. They're not rejecting it. They're not closing their eyes to it. They're not shutting their ears to it. They're not hardening their hearts to it before God starts hardening their hearts. So much so even the centurion that was there at the foot of the cross when Jesus was hanging there and saw all the things that transpired after Jesus said it is finished and gave up the ghost. Truly, truly this man was the Son of God. Friends, there are always those that believe and always those that believe not. And so John chapter 3, and we'll finish here. Turn with me to John chapter 3. 
John chapter 3. Look with me in verse 18. It says, He that believeth on him is not condemned. But he that believeth not is condemned already, because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. Drop down to the last verse in the chapter. He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life, and he that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. Some believed, and some believed not. Where do you stand here this morning? I want to invite you, if you have heard it, but you've not yet believed. And maybe you've had a heart as some as we read in different portions of Scripture that we would hear this matter again and you have been hearing it again. And you have been hearing it again. And you have heard more. And you've been growing in your understanding. And you know more about Jesus. And you understand the gospel now. My friend, what's stopping you? I want to invite you to come to Jesus. I want to invite you to believe on Him. He says you'll be saved. And there is an assurance that come to those that believe on Him. He that hath the Son hath life. And he that hath not the Son of God hath not life. These things have I written unto thee that believe on the name of the Son of God. That ye may know that ye have eternal life. And that ye may believe on the name of the Son of God. Those that believe know that they belong to God. And that Jesus is their Savior. My friend, I want to invite you this morning. If you've not yet come to Jesus and believed, as it says in Acts chapter 8 verse 37, with the whole heart, with all your heart, I want to encourage you to come to Jesus and to believe on Him to save you from your sin. That you would repent and believe the gospel that you may be saved. And know who this Jesus is, that you too may testify of Him. That the wrath of God that abides on you will be removed. And that you would have eternal life. And I would say even life more abundant. Would you come to Jesus? And brothers and sisters who have believed on Jesus here this morning. You still believe Him? You still believe His Word? You still love what he thinks and says more than what others think and say? Brothers and sisters, it's something that is absolutely assumed and non-negotiable that those that have believed on Jesus will continue to believe on Jesus. But I want to encourage you, even as Jesus was encouraging the disciples and even others, you and I know that it's believing on him that brings him great pleasure. And it's believing what He says and us doing what He says shows that we actually believe what He says is what's going to show forth the glory of God in the midst, not only in your life, but in the life of others. Because it's showing, hey, there's something different about you. You know what's different? You actually believe the Bible. You still believe the Bible? I believe you do. And by the grace of God, continue 
to believe this book and walk in it. Some believed and some believe not. Where do you stand here this morning? Let's pray. Mm-hmm. <clears throat>